The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 139 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for checking in again with us this week. We have got such a fun show for you this week, but uh, before we jump into it, we always like to thank our reviewers. Uh, we have a new Facebook review. We actually received this one a few weeks ago, and I'm so sorry I had missed it, but uh, Taya Nassar, thank you so much for your wonderful, kind words and uh, your good review there. And on Apple Podcasts, we actually have five new five-star reviews this week. And thank you so much to all of our reviewers. We are up to 321 total ratings and have maintained our five-star average. We appreciate it. Uh, the usernames are Zen Masti, uh, Steph John, Oakcrest Chipper, Emily Austin, and I don't think I know any of you, or at least by your username I don't, so I hope I got your username uh, right the way that you like it. Uh, one one username I did rec- uh, recognize, uh, the fifth reviewer, Josh Barnes, dear old friend of mine and one of the best guys I know. Josh and I used to work together. So Josh, thank you so much for the kind words. We are well on our way to having the biggest month as far as listenership uh, in the history of the show. And uh, we really appreciate it that we're we're getting these incredible stories of our fellow saints out there. Uh, speaking of just incredible stories of our fellow saints, this week's guest, uh, Heather Walwork, is so much fun. I had such a good time hearing her story. She is a very talented author. She is an artist. And we get to talk about one of my favorite subjects, and that is that she worked for Disney for a while, which I think is so fun, and you will just love this conversation. And in fact, this week in my Latter-day Life, uh, I'll tell you a little bit about a Disney film that completely changed my life 26 years ago this week. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, my guest in the Latter-day Lives podcast is a remarkably talented artist I've gotten to know recently, Heather Walwork. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sean. It is an honor to be here. Uh, I'm super excited because we get to talk about something that my audience knows I love, which is Disney. And I'm kind of champing at the bit <laughs> to get to your connection with Disney. But first of all, we got to get to know you, Heather. Tell us a little bit about where you're from. Okay, well, I am from a small town just southwest of Ogden called West Point, and uh, I was actually born in Provo. I'm number five of 11 wonderful brothers and sisters. 11? But, uh, yes, big family. 11, They're and you're number best. five. Mm-hmm. You yep. are a middle, middle, middle. I mean, you <laughs> I are. am, right in the center. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, so much fun. Like my older sisters did a lot of raising me as well as my parents, and that was a Great experience, wonderful. So, what people. took you? What took you out to uh, West Point? Uh, I believe my dad had work out here, so and I say out here because 
after going to college and living in downtown Salt Lake and all these places, I've now moved back to West Point. So home when I was young and now it's home now that I'm All right. Old. So tell us, tell us about West Point. I don't know West Point at all. Tell us what you love about West Point. Oh my goodness. It's rural. It's near all my family. It, uh, there's a lot of great people here, strong wards, uh, we hear the jets flying over from Hill Air Force Base just every day. They're That's there cool. coming. Yeah, they were flying over at 5 a.m. yesterday. It was crazy. Good wake-up <laughs> call. <laughs> that's not as cool, but uh, but that's really cool. So do you consider yourself kind of a, a like a country type? Do you like a smaller town, a little more land? I do like a smaller town. Uh, I like I like living near older people. Uh, I just feel like Mm. they have wisdom that I love hearing their stories. And I'm a huge fan of stories and people's people's lives and the things that they've experienced. I love hearing that. That is so cool. So you're growing up with, you've got 10 brothers and sisters, so 11 of Mm -hmm. you total. Mm -hmm. Um, So what, what was family like? I would say my oldest sister, Katie, she was definitely the ringleader and um, she would organize us into doing plays and circuses and all these things. We were, we were all her uh, playthings kind of <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, we got really close. I mean, Katie was amazing. And I say was because a few years ago um, she passed away from cancer and oh. uh, that was, that was really rough. She's, amazing person. And she's somebody that you just want to be like. That's a lot. I'm really sorry to hear that. So, uh, but, but as you're growing up, sounds like your family was very close. Were you raised in the church? Yes. Uh huh. I was just active in all my callings. When you were younger, at what point did you realize you were artistically talented? I remember drawing a stick figure in the car and my parents commenting, oh, you're going to be an artist when you grow up. And I think I was about four years old at the time. And I just thought that that was the greatest thing, that they thought I could be an artist. And so just growing up, I remember staying inside during recess when I was in first grade and just drawing dresses. I would draw these big, Mm -hmm. goofy dresses. And uh, I would draw comics on my desk and on the corners of my uh, school assignments. (laughs) I was always drawing. And I was a big goofball too. So I was drawing comics. It was a dream for me to become a comic strip artist for the newspaper. So that was my dream for a long time until I was 14. I found out what a storyboard artist was. And like the inspiration hit me. It was like, oh my gosh, that is what I need to be doing. I need to be a storyboard artist. So once I turned, you know, once I was 14, I knew and I just needed to get there. You know, and and I introduced you as an artist, which really sells you short because you're also a published author, which we will get to. <laughs> and so you are a true, I mean, you're more more than an artist. You are a storyteller um, as well. Did when, when you were younger and you knew that you loved to draw, did you know that you were really good at it, like better than other kids? You know, I knew I had a little bit of talent for drawing, but the truth was I wasn't a very good artist. I actually had to learn how to draw. It's something that ha- didn't come naturally to me. That and, is shocking um, to me. That is so shocking <laughs> to me because you are so talented. That's really surprising. To, I have to practice every day and I still do like an hour every day just to try and fix all the problems that I have with with my drawing skills. 
That is so surprising to me. Okay, well, that's, that gives uh, a lot of the rest of us hope. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're a storyteller. You're, you're doing all this art and uh, drawing and everything else. What else were you into like, like through high school? Oh, I was very involved in music. So I played the flute and the piano. And mm. um, for a while, I did think that I would go into music. But um, I went to Weber State for a couple of years with a full ride music scholarship. And it just wasn't right. I just felt so strongly that I still needed to be a storyboard artist. And I didn't know how to get there, but I knew that I needed to be there. And that's about the time that BYU opened up their animation program. All right. So one question, then we'll get into BYU because I want to hear all about that. <laughs> okay. You are, so, I mean, I'm hearing I'm a writer, an artist, uh, m- you know, to get a full ride scholarship on music. I mean, you've got all these incredible art- artistic talents. Do you find your balance? I-, I have some friends who are artistic to the point that like, I mean, like art is everything, you know, like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Art is their world. Uh, but as a result, they're kind of fall short on <laughs> like anything math or, you know, day to day paying bills, whatever it just is, you know, the worst thing on earth to them. Is that you? Um, I would say that's close to me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask me to do any math. It's bad news. <laughs> but, you know, they uh, say Steve Jobs, he had to wear a black turtleneck every day because he was just so focused on one thing, he couldn't even pick out what to wear every day. So yeah. hopefully I'm not to that stage yet. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. All right. So you decide you're going to go to BYU. Uh, talk talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that was a really great experience. I miraculously got in and um, I had to learn how to draw. And thankfully, the professors there were very patient with me. I got into the animation program with an emphasis in writing and storyboarding. And uh, that's when I took a lot of writing classes. And that's actually when I started my first novel was in one of those writing classes. Yeah. What was that novel called? Uh, it was called Entwined. And it's a retelling of the 12 Dancing Princesses. And it's uh, right now it's published by HarperCollins, and uh, it's under my maiden name, Heather Dixon. Yeah, I like that you just dropped that. You know, just HarperCollins, you know, not a big deal, <laughs> whatever. You know, a little publishing house, you may have heard of them. Yeah. So at BYU, how was your BYU experience? It was amazing. I really feel so blessed to go to BYU. Um, originally, you know, they said, uh, you your grades aren't good enough to get into BYU and you'll probably never get in. And that was crushing to me because I felt Mm. so strongly that I needed to go to BYU to become a storyboard artist. And um, so that was, that was tough, but the summer they had continuing education classes. And so I applied to go into those and I was accepted for some spring and summer term. And I was able to take intro to animation and intro to storyboarding. And the head of the program, Kelly Loosely, saw that I was, I had a talent and that I was hardworking. And uh, he was able to write a letter to the dean and get me accepted both into the school and to the animation program. And I just really feel like, you know, that was God, his hand unfolding, you know, my opportunities and his hand in my life. 
Super cool. For for our listeners who are not aware, what, what is storyboarding? Storyboarding is where you take a script that somebody has written and you basically turn it into a comic strip and the animator takes that comic strip that you've drawn and they know, so they know how to animate it. So I'm kind of the in-between between the script and the animation. Yeah. So what is it about storyboarding that you love? Oh my goodness. I love story so much. I love being a part of the process. I really love comedic timing. I love I love the just the rough drawing and the gestural stuff that you need to draw <laughs> when you're doing it. And I just feel like it combines all the fun things in life. Yeah. Like, yeah, I do, I love it. Do you feel like you developed a style while you were at BYU? A style while I like was a style BYU. a specific style of art. Because when I, I've looked through all of your art on your Instagram mm-hmm. and there are some pieces that are very similar to each other, but you'll go from very comic to very detailed, like like true oh. illustration, you know? Mm-hmm. And so do you feel like you have your own style or are you just really versatile? Um, you know, my style is pretty loosey-goosey. I would say I have a style for storyboarding and for doing comics, and then I have a different style for you know, fleshed out illustrations. And then I have a different style for just doing some little comic illustrations. Mm. So kind of a mix of just whatever I want to draw. It is really impressive. Like it's, it's super cool. And we'll get to your Instagram at the end and, (laughs) and how people can follow you. But uh, so you get done with BYU. Did you, did you end up getting, getting your degree in that then at BYU? Yes, in animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. So then uh, you graduate BYU. You've got a degree in animation. You got this big open world to you. What came next? <laughs> so um, I worked at a few small animation studios around the state, and uh, one of those was the LDS Church. They had an in-house animation group, and I was able to work for them, and that was that was pretty amazing. The LDS Church. Were you working down in down at the motion picture studio down in Provo? No, I was working at the uh, Knob, the North Office Building. So mm, right across yeah. the street from the Church Office Building, that group there. How cool! Yeah, What's it that awesome. like working for the church? You know, I mean, I think a lot of people have thought about that. You know, what's the culture like, and uh, versus maybe other places that you've worked? You know, I've I've really enjoyed working with the church. Um, it's really nice to create animation and create creative things that both have an inspiring message. And I feel like the church also with animation uh, tries to do different styles and, you know, you could pitch kind of an artistic thing or you can pitch, you know, a more, a more cartoonish thing. And, and I love, love doing different styles like we had talked about. And, and so it's, it's been really enjoyable my work that I've done with the church. So cool. What uh, is there one project that really stands out that you worked on? Yes. So there's a project called A Mother's Hope, and that was one that I directed. And that's the one about Elder Uchtdorf's mom searching for him in the oh train station. Oh my gosh. No way. You directed that? <laughs> I did. Yes. <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding. That is so cool. Tell that us about me. that experience. That's incredible. Oh my goodness. That one was a lot of fun. Um, I remember hearing that story and I'm, I 
just could see it in my head. And so I went ahead and on my own time, I storyboarded it. And then I pitched it to the producers. And uh, that's when it started to get movement. And I think it's it just goes to show that like you put in an ounce of work and you get a pound of results. And so because I storyboarded that on my own, uh, we were able to move forward with it. And um, that was just a lot of fun. It was really neat to do a different kind of more artistic style. We had to kind of rough up the animation a little bit mm-hmm. because this was during German in you know, wartime Germany. Yeah, and, sure. Um, so that was a really interesting style to explore a little bit of a scarier piece for animation. Yeah, that is a memorable piece. Is it is it pretty exciting when people see it and you go, hey, that's my work? It is. It is exciting. Um, I think the best part about it, though, is to know that there's a message out there that you were able to help um, visualize and uh, be a part of. And yeah. it really is a good story of his, of Elder Uchtdorf's. That is just awesome. Yeah. And it's a really beautiful piece. I didn't know you did that. That's so cool. Oh, thank you. Um, so after working for a few animation studios, uh, what what came next in Heather's life? So I ended up getting a job as a story artist at Disney Interactive Studios. Um, there in Salt Lake, it was... Um, officially avalanche software but they had a contract with disney so technically it was it was uh disney interactive and yeah. they worked on the disney infinity franchise mm, I which know. i have spent many many hours playing <laughs> <laughs> you i knew that both. was done around here so for people who don't maybe remember Disney Infinity because Disney Interactive is gone now. I mean, yes, it is entirely. But uh, for people who don't remember, there were little figurines you could buy and you'd take mm-hmm. those figurines and put them on a board and, and then your character would come to life on the screen. So what's it like working with such beloved characters? I mean, you're working with the, the pantheon of all the amazing Disney characters. Oh yeah, it was it was quite a neat experience. So, you know, we got to work with Disney Feature and Pixar and Lucasfilm and Marvel and uh, one of the playsets I got to work on was The Force Awakens. And uh, so I knew mm. 6 months before the movie was released that Han Solo was going to die and I couldn't talk to anybody about it. <laughs> so, it was heartbreaking. <laughs> oh man, that is wild. They had they were so careful about, you know, secrets not getting leaked that they had a special protected hard drive and they would call us into this room with no windows and we couldn't bring our cell phones or anything. We just had our notebook and uh, they would show us pictures from the movie in development and we would write it down in our notebook. And uh, they're all like, guard that notebook with your life. And it's like, okay, I have the entire summary of The Force Awakens written down in this notebook. And then, like a dope, I went to Winco and I had my grocery list in that same notebook. And when I came home from the grocery store, I couldn't find my notebook anywhere. And all I could think was I had left it in a shopping cart in the stupid grocery store. The guy who collects a cart is going to find it. He's going to post a whole summary online. That's the end of my career. (laughs) It was horrifying. Did you ever end up finding it? 
Yes, it was just in my oh, bag, <laughs> and oh, I kept it locked heavens. in my desk after that. But Heather, yeah, that was... I cannot imagine the anxiety <laughs> of that. Oh, it was a horrifying great. moment. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! How long were you work? How long did you work for Disney? Um, about three and a half years. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I would say the that the best part of working for Disney was the main entrance pass. And that meant that you could flash that pass at the entrance of any Disney park, anywhere, anytime, and you and three of your friends could get in for free. Okay, you were that level. Wow. (laughs) That's a pretty high level. That's pretty awesome. All right, so did you take advantage of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, several times a year. We went yeah. to Disneyland. Everybody was my friend at that point. <laughs> I am so sad I met you now. Not not back then. We could have grabbed, gotten some people together and gone. But well, I have an I annual know. pass. Could have so been a party. Really <laughs> but uh, well, that's really cool. Um, so you're working for Disney. Uh, yeah. What are there other Disney benefits that you get uh, when you're when you're doing work for Disney? Um, you get to be around some really talented artists and people. That was a really neat experience. Um, when I was lead of the Moana playset, uh, I did a lot of flying out to Burbank and being on the Disney campus and learning more about the story as it developed. And that was a really neat experience too. Gosh, this just sounds like a dream. Uh, what, <laughs> why did you end up leaving uh, Disney? Well, um, They had a mandatory meeting and they brought all the employees in the company into the break room. So the place was packed because there were 200 or 300 employees. And uh, the head of the studio stood up on a chair and he said, the studio is closing. (laughs) You're all out of work. (laughs) Wow, in one meeting. Oh my (laughs) gosh. This is a crummy day. (laughs) Did you know that was coming? Um, I sensed that there was something going on because everybody was very, very stressed out. And um, yeah, there was there was definitely something going on. So but, you know, I'm naive. I was just like, oh, this is a great place to work. It'll be okay, you know, and then it's like, no, it's not okay. (laughs) We're out of work. I I remember (laughs) when when they when the announcement came out, it I'm sure it was well-planned within Disney, but it seemed to shock everyone. Like, what, you're completely shutting down your entire video game division? Like, wow, that was really surprising. Yeah, I think it was surprising, actually, to a lot of the people who who worked at the studio, at the studios. So you're found, you're left without a job. That's, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's shocking. That's something a lot of our listeners are facing right now. The one day everything's stable, the next day everything's upside down. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, what came next for you? Well, I turned to freelance and, uh, I've actually been freelance ever since it's been a really good experience as an artist, you know, you do get used to these kind of layoffs and stuff. And so there have been a few times where I worked for studios and then they're all like, it's not going to work out. You're done with this project. It's time to move on. It's like, okay. So you learn to, uh, have some savings and you learn to really enjoy ramen and uh, <laughs> know how to live cheaply. And um, so, so my experience was, you know, thankfully I had savings and I had some connections and I was able to um, start up on freelance and, and I've been doing freelance ever since. And it's been really just a lot of fun. I love working from home. I do a lot of work for the LDS church still. And 
I enjoy that a lot. I do a lot of animation for them. So if any of your listeners see an animated piece from the church, the chances are good that I helped with it or I know the people who worked on it. I want to talk about your books. Um, We talked uh, very briefly. We touched on Entwined and uh, Entwined, which is an ALA book list top 10 romance for youth. (laughs) <laughs> Very exciting, you know. Not that, uh, not that you ever get caught up in caught up in dramatic romance. Based on the front <laughs> cover, I mean, it's very, it looks very Disney princess type story. So, uh, so you wrote Entwine. Did you write the whole thing while you were at BYU? Uh, I started it at BYU, and then while I was working at various studios, just out of college, that's when I finished writing it, and. Um, I took a lot of dance classes at BYU. And so for some reason, all those dance classes and having a lot of sisters, all that stuck with me. And I, that that's what inspired uh, this 12 dancing princesses retelling was. And I'm not familiar with the 12 dancing princesses. Is that maybe that's something I shouldn't, I shouldn't uh, know. (laughs) Is that, does that say more about me or all of my listeners right now going, Hey, Yeah, we all know it. Is it something that's well known? (laughs) Tell us what the 12 Dancing Princesses is. It's a little bit more obscure. So it's about these 12 princesses and uh, their father, the king, discovers that they've been wearing out their slippers every night. And so he sends uh, princes from all over the lands to follow them to see where they're going to wear out their shoes. And it turns out that they're going to an enchanted kingdom underground and dancing with these enchanted princes. and. So that's how the story goes, the original story. And in my story, I uh, give it a Victorian twist. And so the Mm. whole story is about the princesses and kind of their relationship with their father and their mother dies. And so they're thrown into mourning. And so they can't dance. They love dancing. And it's just how they kind of get ensnared in this um, magical this magical kingdom underground, which is a lot more sinister than they think because they're, they're not taking the advice of their father basically. And um, yeah, it's along those lines. Sounds really cool. So lots of people have written books, not lots of people (laughs) have gotten them published by one of the biggest publishers in the world. How did you end up getting it published? Oh my goodness. Um, Well, I met both my editor and my agent once again at the BYU um, Writing and Illustrating for Young Readers conference. That was Mm. a conference that they had back then. And so I signed up and um, they were able to take a look at my work and they liked it. I needed to work on it a bit more before it was ready for acceptance. but, But that's kind of the short story of how it worked out. And then, boom, you're published. What was it like when you got your first copy of it? Um, it was it was neat. Yeah, I'm really, really hard on myself and on my work. And so it yeah, was a little bit are. hard to look at it, you know? But most <laughs> artists funny. are very most artists are very tough on themselves, you know? <laughs> and especially once it goes to print, you go, hmm. I could I change that one thing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, you beat yourself up over it, but uh, I'm overall pretty happy with the book. I was very passionate about it. And I think that that's a good sign. Um, awesome. The book, the book did very, very well. 
which was awesome. I was in a two book contract and um, the next book, you know, I, I kind of had my feet to the fire on that one and I wasn't as passionate about that one. And I think it must've shown cause that one, that one was a flop. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. What's that uh, like? I mean, how does that feel when you've got, you know, you've got the one that does so huge and then you release the second one is this is the one you're talking about. That was a flop. Is that illusionarium? It was, yes, a steampunk novel, more written towards boys. So very, mm. very different from the uh, Untwined novel. What's that feel like, though? You put you, you you do all the work. I mean, whether or not it was your passion to see it not quite take off, how does that feel? Um, You know, it's a little disappointing. When I was writing it, it was very, very stressful. It was a really stressful time. Um. I'm grateful, very grateful that I'm not in that time of life anymore because there was a lot of stress at work and then there was a lot of stress from the book and then there was a relationship I was in that was really stressful. And so there were a lot of things that were stressful <laughs> at the time. And so it's one of those things where I look back and I'm like, well, you know, I did the best for, for the time. I'm just glad it's over. So, yeah, you know. Let's, let's, uh, let's round things out with the Enchanted Sonata. Oh, okay. So the Enchanted Sonata, I went back to the fairy tale retelling um, gig and it is a retelling of the Nutcracker Ballet with a dash of the Pied Piper, and it's about this girl Clara, and she's very good at playing the piano. And um, she goes to this magical land, and she meets this Nutcracker Prince, and it's just their adventure together to try and break the spell that he's under. And I will say, uh, this came out uh, a couple years ago. And uh, on Amazon, more than 100 reviews, uh, four and a half stars out of five. And you know how critical Amazon reviewers are. So that's <laughs> pretty awesome. Is that, uh, was, did you feel pretty passionate about uh, the Enchanted Sonata? I did. It was a lot of fun. I was able to take the music, my musical background, and incorporate it into the, the uh, book. And it was also... Um, about the time that my sister died. And so the main character is based a lot on my sister, my older sister, who was mm. a very, very good pianist. Uh, wow. What a beautiful tribute to her. That's awesome. Um, we talked a little bit before we, we started recording that you, you ended up getting married uh, a little bit older and I think oh, yes. probably, I, I have no clue how old you are, but I'm going to guess a little bit older <laughs> is only within the Utah Latter-day Saint <laughs> realm when we use the phrase a little bit older, but, uh, oh, no, but, I uh, old. <laughs> oh, for crying out loud. Uh, but, uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, about how you met your husband, how you ended up getting married. It started, I was on mutual and, uh, this was in 2017 in, in uh, end of November 2017. And I was like, I'm going to delete this mutual app. It's the worst. And, and my friend, for our like, older listeners, by the way, <laughs> mutual is an app, is a dating app for Latter day Saints. I didn't know this until like three or four months ago. I seriously oh, really? had no clue. Uh, I'm such an old, old guy. But, uh, yeah, uh, let's let's be clear. Heather was not at Mutual, not oh, at a young yeah. women's event or activity, but yes, on Mutual, the app. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, the LDS <laughs> version of Tinder, basically. Yes. Except much cleaner. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I told my friend, I'm going to delete this app. My The guy that I'm looking for just isn't out there. And I was 35 at the time, so very old. And um, she said, you know, you just need to be intentional about it. And so for the first time, I actually wrote a list of all the stupid things that I wanted 
in mm. a husband. And it was like the dumbest little things. It's like, and I want him to have red hair and I want him to be able to sing, you know, and like, I'm like, wow. this is impossible. This guy isn't out there. But <laughs> I had this list and I prayed and I said, I am going to find this person. And it was the next day that I matched with my future husband. You so, are kidding. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That is really, so fun. really neat story. So we had our first date on December 4th and, um, 10 days later, we were talking marriage and he was 43. He'd never been engaged before or married. And um, so this was just surreal for both of us, but we just knew that we were supposed to get married. And a month and a half later, we were engaged. And two months later, we were married and it's been amazing. It's just that is love, so cool. That's really <laughs> neat that it came together that way. Yeah. Those years, because we've had a few guests on who have gotten married at different times in their lives, and and there is certainly more pressure within the church. I mean, you age differently as a single person within the church, unfortunately. Um, did you feel like uh, the the pressure? Or was it uh, was there a desire? Or was it sort of just hey, I'll just play it, play it as it comes. I was more play it as it comes. And um, I don't know if it was because, you know, God was comforting me and saying, you know, it'll happen when when my timing's right. Um, Of course, there were days where I was sad and lonely. But there were also days where I was like, you know, I do have this this extra time that I can go and serve people and love people. And and uh, I I didn't feel inadequate in any of my words. I just so loved glad. all the people there. And yeah, so I I know that there are a lot of people who who have struggled being single and um I I chose to be in the family wards for most of my adult life and so I was able to be singing time and still serve among the youth and and kind of have that that piece of me sort of fulfilled that way, which was mm. neat. I think that is just so cool. And so cool that you guys now have this life and your husband is a very creative guy as well. You can kind of see <laughs> you, you, you're a true storyteller. And uh, let's talk about your Instagram because people need to follow you on Instagram. You have oh so goodness. much fun stuff uh, to the extent that I ended up showing my parents some of your stuff the other night. Oh, my goodness. Because you just make such neat stuff. Uh, tell us well, what your Instagram you. handle is. So my Instagram handle is uh, at story underscore monster. So if you look up story Such monster, a cool I'm name sure too. Yeah, you'll be able to find it. <laughs> yeah. And it will be evident very quickly, first of all, your love of Disney. Secondly, yes. though, your love of a very specific character in Disney lore. Uh, <laughs> tell us about your love of Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh, my goodness. She is practically perfect in every way. I am <laughs> her biggest fan. <laughs> yeah, she is super califragilisticexpialidocious. I couldn't help myself. Sorry, you said it. <laughs> yeah, she's, yeah, she's great. When did that, uh, when did your love of Mary Poppins develop? Uh, I would say it started in college when I was studying movies. Uh, I thought, you know, that Mary Poppins movie is actually 
probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. And like the more I studied it and the more I watched it, it's like, this is an excellent movie. It's an excellent moral. I love that Mary Poppins is like the Christ figure that comes into these kids' lives and this, this family's mm. life and, and helps them, you know, kind of see where they're going wrong and helps repair it. And, you know, when they're family again, she, she leaves and it's just such a wonderful story, just really touching. And it's about yeah. family. I love it. And it's beautiful. And the music's amazing. I could go on and on. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And so you end up, you do a lot of art uh, with Mary Poppins or related to, you have some really cool mashups, uh, mixing up different characters. And it's really mm -hmm. fun looking through your stuff. And it's story underscore monster. You also have, I will tell you, one of my favorite pieces of art that I've seen which is a piece of Walt at Disneyland sitting in front of the castle. Oh. Um, tell me about that piece. Um, yeah. So one of the things I do every morning, like I said, I practice drawing. And one of the things that I do is draw from pictures. And that was a picture of uh, Walt Disney in front of the castle. And so I said, you know, this is a great way to practice. So I drew him. So this is based off of a picture that's yeah. already out there. It is phenomenal. It's so cool. Oh, the shading you. that you did in the black and white. And again, I'm, I would just tell all of our listeners to go uh, check out Story Monster and the way that uh, Story underscore Monster and the way that uh, I got to know you, we, we should shout out to uh, Nicoletti, friend of the show, oh, yeah. who all of Nick, our listeners know. Great. Yeah, and he you had sent him you had sent him a picture. So, do you do work like if people see something that is on your Instagram and they're interested in having it? In their home, can they order it from you? Is there a way for them to get your work? Uh, not at this point. My website's undergoing some revamping, but when it's when it's done, I'm hoping to be able to have some prints up that people can take a look at. You and your husband are working on some uh, video projects as well. You recently did a uh, a really cool video. Tell us about that. Yes. So my husband and I were starting our own multimedia. Uh, company mm. where we create, you know, short pieces that are a mix of animation and comping and live action and music. And uh, we just came out with an Easter version of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And oh, I rewrote the lyrics to be very Christ centric because I thought, you know, this, this is a song that could really beautiful, beautiful melody. I would love it to be you know, about Christ, the true hallelujah word. And so um, we recorded it actually just on Antelope Island and off the causeway. So not too far from where we live. And um, it's very desolate there in January and February, which was when we filmed it. And it turned out mm. to be just beautiful. We're really, really happy with it. Oh, so if you go awesome. on YouTube and you look up uh, Wall Workshop, or you look up Easter Hallelujah, then you'll probably find it. Wall Workshop. How, what a great name. Is that the name <laughs> of your production company then? Wall Workshop? Yeah, The Wall Workshop. Yes. The Wall Workshop. Oh, that's fantastic. This is so cool. <laughs> Heather, you have such a fun, you kind of are Mary Poppins. You just got all these creative, <laughs> fun things that pop out. Um, the best way for people to follow you then is on Instagram uh, mm -hmm. and then we shared the books. We'll share links for all of these projects. And 
I think it's just awesome. Your optimistic point of view. And I get now why you're such a Mary Poppins fan, because you kind of have that (laughs) not only fantastical, but also that just very, very positive attitude, which I think is super, super cool. We're going to wrap up with the question that we ask all of our guests. And that is, uh, Heather, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Okay, well, I have a longer story to go along with this, but um great. It it means it's it's a family story. It means a lot to me. So when I was in college, my great aunt Emmy, who was from Holland, uh was on her deathbed and she recorded stories from the World War II occupation in Holland that she had never told anyone before. And uh, somehow I got my hands on the tape and I volunteered to be the one to write up these stories. And so while I was typing, I was just listening to her on the recorder and and uh, hearing her amazing and just heartbreaking stories. And, you know, if there's a time to live, uh, don't pick Holland during World War II because it was just so such a trial. Um, they had no food. Their dad was sent away to a labor camp. They had mm. uh, no fuel. And um, it was just really, really sad to to hear her story. Uh, but there was one story that she told that just broke my heart. And um, it happened that her dad was being called away to a labor camp. And the night before he had to go, her mom and her dad got in a big fight. And her mom wanted her dad to stay with them. Her dad wanted to go to his brother's house so that they could be in the labor camp and on the train together. And um, so they got in a big fight and the dad ended up leaving early to go to his brother's house. And uh, the next day, uh, her mom kept on looking at the clock. And finally, she said to Emmy, she said, we are going to go and see him off at the train station. And Emmy looked at the clock and she saw that it was um, very close to seven o'clock, which was curfew back then. And uh, the problem with being caught after curfew in uh, Nazi occupied Holland was you would get shot if you were caught. And so she told her mom, she's like, we won't make it back past curfew. And her mom said, no, we will. We will. We need to see your dad off at the train station. And so they hurried. They hurried as fast as they could to the train station. And when they got there, sadly, the train had already left. And so they didn't get a chance to say goodbye to their dad. And um, of course, by now, there wasn't much time left. And so they had to turn around really quickly and run back home. And it got to be past seven o'clock. And um, just as they were nearing their house, they got caught by a German soldier. And yeah. And she said that they apologized up and down. We're sorry. We're so sorry. We're sorry. We just want to see our dad off at the train station. We're so sorry. And uh, the German soldier looked at him at them and he said, well, where do you live? And they told him and he said, well, that's right by my bunker. I will walk you home. And so he did. He accompanied them home and made sure Ooh. that they got home safely. And um, and um, they were okay for that night. But the next morning, they got a hard rap at the door. And um, they opened the door, and there was a different German soldier there. It was a German officer. And he made Emmy and her mom come outside to the street 
And then they, um, there were a lot of soldiers there and they brought out the German soldier who had brought them home the night before. And they stood him in front of all the soldiers and they shot him in front of everyone. Mm. And, um, I still, I still remember my great aunt, you know, saying this on the tape. She's like, I don't know why they did that. I don't know why they did that. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm not sure why they did that. I don't know if they were like just teaching a lesson to everyone. Um, I don't know why. But when I hear this story, it reminds me of Christ and our fallen world. So we live in a world that is fallen, which is very much like, you know, the world that Aunt Emmy had to live in that and um and then we have a Christ figure in our life who is Christ and and he shows mercy on us even though after we do everything we can do everything we can do to you know get past curfew you know make it home on time we still fall short and then Christ comes into our life and he paid this sin for us and uh and is able to make up the difference for us and i think that's what being a member of the church means to me is is you know we have Christ who set this amazing example for us and who's shown us the way and we need to be Christ figures in other people's lives. And so being a member of the church for me is just learning how to become closer to Christ in better ways and learning how to serve others every day. And um, that's what, that's what it means to me is just trying to be a better person every day. Mm. Heather, that is so beautiful. She is an author, she is an artist, and she is an amazing storyteller. And so grateful we had this time to sit and talk. Heather Walwork, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day Life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Sean. It's great to talk to you. And my special thanks to my guest, Heather Walwork. Isn't she amazing? So fun and so talented. Please go check out her work on Instagram and that YouTube video she was talking about with Hallelujah. So unbelievably beautiful. Go check out all of her work. Thank you again, Heather. And thank you to Nicoletti for introducing us. And Nick, you just keep helping the show so much. And in fact, Nick and Heather and I are starting a a whole new podcast project with some other past guests of the show. It's a It's a Disneyland-focused show, and uh, we're just on the ground floor of getting it started, but we'll let you know when it's up and running. I'm excited to get to know Heather better through that show and to get to work with Nick some more. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, This week in my Latter-day life, it was 26 years ago this week, and I I remember it very well. Uh, I remember it partly because it's my birthday this week, uh, May 26th is my birthday. I am turning 48 this this week, which means that 26 years ago, I was a young man of uh, 22. <laughs> very, very much younger than I am now. And I was single and living in Riverside, and I was going to the YSA ward. And I had been doing some dating within that ward. And there was one girl who I just thought was so far out of my league I had actually asked her to dance once at a dance, and it's kind of a funny story, 
but uh, she said no, <laughs> sort of. And I had asked her out one other time, and she had said no, and it's there's more to it than that. But she didn't just flat out say no. There were good reasons, but I just, she was a girl who was way too good for me, but I just thought the world of her. And some of our friends the night of my birthday were going to a concert in Los Angeles. They were going to see Sarah McLaughlin. And this this other girl, she did not have a ticket yet. So she asked me, hey, do you want to go with them? It's your birthday. Let's all go together and we'll, we'll go see this concert. Sure, of course, anything to get to spend time with this girl. And so we all went that night to the concert. Now, because all the other girls had bought their tickets together, they all sat together. But this one girl and I, we got to sit, just the two of us, and enjoy the concert. And oh man, was that awesome. And then the whole drive back, we talked the entire time. And when we got back to my house where everyone had left their cars, I kept thinking in my head, I have got to somehow keep this girl here. I've got to keep her talking to me. I can't let her go. She's too amazing. And we stood there by her car, all of us, a big group of us, and one by one, everyone was going home until finally out in front of my house, it was just me and this other girl. And finally, she said, do you mind if I go inside and get a drink of water? Yes, yes, this was the chance I was waiting for. I said, of course, come in, get some water. And we went inside my house. Now, I shared a house that was probably meant for about four people, but there were probably seven or eight of us from the YSA ward, all these guys in their 20s and and young 30s. And it was a madhouse. That was such a fun house to live in. But uh, we went inside and I got her a glass of water. And I thought, how can I keep this night going? And it was like midnight. But I looked at her and I said, hey, do you do you feel like watching a movie? I, I was about to watch a movie. And she said, you were about to watch a movie at midnight. And I said, yeah. And she said, what movie were you going to watch? Now, this was easy because we had a roommate who had uh, moved out. He'd actually left to go on a mission. But he had a wall of like... 50 or 75 VHS movies. I mean, we had tons of movies. It was like an early analog version of Netflix, all these movies and these big, big shelving units on the wall. So I knew that I could turn, point to a movie that might be interesting and and just tell her that's what we were going to watch. So as I did, I looked over at this wall of movies and they were gone. There was not a single movie there. Well, it, it turned out that this this guy who owned the movies, his brother had shown up that day and had taken them all out and had taken them home. So here we were with no movies, but I looked over and there was one movie in the living room. This was the only movie in the entire house. My roommate Derek had been babysitting his nephews and nieces that day at our house. And sitting there on the VCR was Aladdin, The Return of Jafar, not even Aladdin, not even the good original Aladdin. It was Aladdin 2, The Return of Jafar. So here I was at midnight. This was the only shot I had. And I looked at this amazing, most perfect young lady. And I said, I was about to watch Aladdin, The Return of Jafar and pointed at it. And she said, wait, 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 at midnight, (laughs) 
you were going to sit down, you, a 22-year-old man, was going to sit down and watch Aladdin, The Return of Jafar. And I swallowed and stepped forward and said, yep, that's exactly what I was going to do. And she said, okay, I'll watch it with you. And we sat down on the couch and we started watching this movie that is really not that great. But we sat there together and we started to sit closer and then a little bit closer. And somewhere in the middle of the movie, I got up some courage and I reached over and I took her hand and we held hands for the rest of the movie. And when the movie was over, it was very late, but we lived right by a golf course. And I asked her if she wanted to go for a walk. And we went out for a walk in the uh, kind of foggy, misty air that night and walked out on the golf course. And it was just beautiful. And I knew that I was in love. Well, we went back and she took off and I went to bed. And the next morning, my best friend, Mike, came over and he woke me up and he said, hey, how was the concert last night? And I looked at him and I said, you know, Vanessa, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, I'm going to marry her. And he started laughing because he knew she was way out of my league. But sure enough, we began dating. And very shortly thereafter, we got engaged. And it was only about... uh, Well, four and a half months later that we got married, and we've been married for 26 years, have had eight children, have had a few houses, have had some incredible ups, and yes, a few downs, but that night changed everything in my entire life. I'm so grateful for the way that God works, that he puts us in the places that we need to be, and I can only imagine him laughing as I'm trying to be so slick and so cool, as I pointed to Aladdin, The Return of Jafar. That movie will always have a special place in my heart, in our family, and in my marriage, because thanks to that movie, I ended up with the greatest woman in the world. That was 26 years ago this week, and that's what's happening in my latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. We really appreciate it. If you do know someone who would enjoy these conversations, if you could share it with them, that would be great. And of course, we always appreciate it if you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, or anywhere that you listen or that you can leave us a review. We are very thankful for that. And I think that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again, there is a great big beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 